welcome to episode 209 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 24th of February, 2019. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed, and I'm recording today's show from the Magnolia Hotel in the Quinta do Lago Resort of the Algarve in Portugal. I'm recovering after riding the Algarve Grand Fondo, a 110km sportive in beautiful spring sunshine. Dropping me back at the hotel was Paralympian gold medalist Mark Rowan. He runs the bike shed on the campus a multi-sport hub. The resort is 46 years old and was built around two golf courses. The campus is the resort's latest wellness offering and it attracts Premier League football squads, national rugby teams um, to its impressive facilities. The bike shed hires out bikes, Holdsworth road bikes in fact, and it organises regular social rides for resort residents including former pro cyclists. I was invited out here to sample a four-day ride package, culminating in today's lumpy Grand Fondo. I had been signed up for the 60km medium ride, but was up for a challenge. I did the longer ride instead, and that's why I'm recovering. Uh, but Mark knows all about challenges. At the age of 20, this Irish sportsman crashed his motorbike and crushed his spine. Without the use of his legs, he threw himself into sports, including wheelchair basketball and archery. But then he discovered, well nurtured, his talent for hand cycling. He became a pro athlete, and at the London Olympic Games in 2012, he won gold in the 40km road race and the 16km time trial. I spoke with Mark from the bike shed. Mark, it's, it's early evening. The, we are surrounded by some floodlights. We are surrounded by lots of hills. We're on a former farm, but it's no longer a farm. Where, where exactly are we and what are we doing here, Mark? So we are at the campus on Avenida Ertensena in Quinta del Lago. And you're right, it was a farm. Quinta del Lago means, um, means farm on the lake. And we're in the Algarve. So we've... Um, we're running a bike festival here at the moment for this week, our first ever one here at the campus. This cycling is, is a new addition to uh, Quinta del Lago. And um, yeah, we've, we're surrounded by beautiful hills and also beautiful weather. Because the, the, you know, for February to be hitting 19, 20 degrees. So for me, it's perfect. It's a perfect place to come and cycle. So Portugal is famous and the Algarve is famous for its year round. More or less weather. year round. Yeah, the, the tourism board will tell you there's 300 days of, of sunshine. Uh, and over the last year, since, really since last April, 
let's say we've had maybe 10 days of sunshine uh, and the coldest it gets is maybe three or four degrees if that even so we're sitting in for want of a better expression the boardroom of the bike shed huh? So what exactly is the bike shed? Because at one end of the room here, and it's, it's, a, it's a lovely wooden building. Um, so we're surrounded by bikes, which is always good. But on the other end of the building, we've got um, a reception, which is hiring out rackets. Yes. So th th basically, we are in a, in a sports hub. Yeah. Lots of different sports going on, including cycling. So you're saying cycling is a, 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 it's a growing sport. addition, but what, what are the other sports that are going on around here? Well, you can, you can see out there, you can see we're playing paddle at the moment. We've got some paddle lessons. And paddle is a new sport. It's kind of like a cross between squash and tennis for people that don't know. It's our, our fastest growing sport, uh, very social. We have tennis, so we've got clay, clay courts, we've got hard courts. Uh, we have um, leisure tennis players, a performance uh, youth academy. Uh, we run camps during the year with Judy Murray. We have, um, and behind us, we've got a high performance gym, outdoor heated swimming pool. So I'm very much pushing triathlon training camps as well and as a triathlon base. And you've got lakes as well here. Yeah, we've got, so we've got a private lake, which we also use um, for swimming training. And, and, and that's, that's a- uh, It's private lake all my kind of lake. So it's like salt and sweet is what has been described to me. So it's a freshwater lake. But it's salt, it's salt, no, it's salt water. That one's salt water? It is, yes, because if you see, it's just on the Rio Formosa, so the water is filtered between both. So they just bring the water in from there. So even the fish are, are but it's, the beautiful thing about it is it's more or less stagnant water, so it's much warmer than the sea. Well, I, was, I went to see the sea before, yeah, yeah. and it was furious. It was like coming in something, you know, really quiet. You could, you could absolutely surf there, yes. and then you, you turn your head, and then, because of the dunes, you've got this amazing, um, as you're saying, you've got the static water as well. So that's, the triathletes prefer to have the, the well, static water. It depends who you've got here at the moment. We had the Scottish triathlon team. We had, we had the British Paralympic team here. And they will vary. They'll, they'll swim in the 50 meter pool up the road. They will use our outdoor pool. Then they'll do some sessions in the lake. And then once a week, usually on a Sunday, they'll do a swim session in the sea. But today was quite rough. Uh, and as you mentioned, surf. So Portugal is one of the surf destinations in Europe. And you get quite a lot, a lot of Spanish coming over from the weekend. And they don't usually come to here because we are south facing. They'll go to the west coast, over to Sagres. Uh, and that's where you see the famous, the big wave surfers up in Nazare. The biggest wave has ever been surfed, recorded has been up there. So during the, during the next few weeks, yeah, the wind will get up. And you'll get droves of people going there to watch. These crazy guys do that, yeah. And we'll definitely be able to hear on the tape there that there's, there's coffee making going on. So you, you're, you've bought into the vibe, the coffee vibe, coffee and cycling. So when I've been hanging around today, you've got people dropping in, having coffees, going out for a ride, dropping their bike in. Yeah. So what, what, what are the facilities that you've got here? Uh, at the bike shop, oh, we've got lots of rent bikes. So we've got, you can see behind you, we've got some gravel bikes, which are becoming quite popular. And they, they really suit this area because People aren't, especially our, our customers, they're not really enthusiastic mountain bikers, but they like to go onto the, the road you were on today in the Rio Formosa. So they take a gravel bike and then they can ride the roads around Kint as well. We've got about a 10k loop where all the residents, golf courses, restaurants, hotels are. So it's a nice, safe route to cycle. Uh, then you've got the road cyclists, which is a growing, a growing destination. Um, and we, we're, we're partnered with Holdsworth at the moment, so British British brand from the 70s. 
which is nice. They have a nice retro feel to them. It's not customers aren't really used to them, but they're surprised. Uh, but what, what a nice bike they are. And we also have mountain bikes. Then we've got kids' baby seats, kids' bikes. So we, we rent bikes. We fix. We do kind of repairs. I do. I'm, I'm the, the mechanic as well. I do some coaching. So we do coaching as well. Yesterday we had some bike fitting. <coughs> but basically we're a one-stop shop for cycling enthusiasts of all abilities that want to enjoy the Algarve. You're not selling bikes here, you're no. fixing them or renting them. We're not a bike shop. No, no we, 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 we're not. People who, who ride the bikes, the holes of bikes, can go online and buy them. So you can rent, try and buy. And that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful thing about it because if you go into a bike shop, your, your standard bike shop, you can't actually try the bike you want to ride, you know. So people try them, we've sold a few online, but we haven't sold them. So we've no stock, we've no overheads. They just go online and they buy them online. Um, and Planet X wants them. You know Planet X? Yeah, no, so I've done lots of stories on, on Dave Lofgren getting the brand back again and, and the, the troubles he had with his brand and the various managers that were working there and stuff. I, I kind of I know what, what was happening with Planet X. Yeah. But they're a fantastic company making some great bikes at, at stunningly good prices. Yes, that's the one thing people can't get over is mm -hmm. when they ride them, that's the carbon fiber bike, super professional. We have the holes are super professional. And we've got, a, uh, most of them are SRAM. We've got a couple of red SRAM uh, ETAP. And then when they go to price them, they're like, Phew. it's a bit of a, a shock, but um, yeah, we're really happy for, for a bike rental. All you want is a standard bike that works well, is clean and is comfortable. And um, allows you to experience the Algarve because it's quite hilly. So all of our bikes have, have an 1132 cassette. Climb. We have a lot of people that show up at 11.25, 11.28 and they struggle around here because it's quite... You're going to find out tomorrow now we're going to bring you on a nice ride to Branco de Velo and some beautiful climbs around here. Now the resort we're in is lots of golf villas and golf courses. So it was created, I mean it's about a 45 year old resort it was created for golf. And of course, cycling is the new golf, mm. is, so they say. Um, so you're bringing a new clientele into a, a, a golf resort. But it, it is new, so it's like one year, in 2017 was yes, it? Yes, September it? 2017 I started here. September 2017, yes. Yeah. I started here. Um, and cy of course, cycling is not new in Portugal. There's a, there's a great history in cycling. And I recently saw something that in the 60s, over 80% of the population had a bike. And now, maybe 15 or 20% of the population have a bike. It's quite sad, actually. And, and it's frustrating because the infrastructure, in terms of commuting cycling, is not, is not here yet. It's improving. But the secondary roads here, they're so quiet. It's, it's, and the surface is, near, is nearly better on the It probably is better. Um, so that's the great thing about, about we have got local guides and I've cycled here since 2010 so I know all the best routes and all the best coffee shops so people who have lived here for a while when they come out and ride with us they explore some new routes that are more safe and more enjoyable but so it's, it's slowly grown Carlton that um, golf of course you know, golf is in decline everyone knows the, the, the demographics is changing and I suppose that's what the campus is for is to offer the next generation a different option to whether to swim or to cycle or to, to do fitness classes or paddle or tennis 
to give them an option instead of either the beach or, or the golf course. That was really your options here before. But now I think we've, we're becoming much more of a family resort. So were you involved with the bike shed before it opened or did you come in after it opened? What was, what, what was the planning of why they got this in? Uh, well, I, I came in after it was opened. And the planning was exactly that. Offer, uh, they wanted to offer up to 28 different sports at the campus. And I think it's, uh, it's uh, at the end of it, it's a business move, really, because golf is, is, is um, it's plateau. And here, not so much because it's a destination. Mm-hmm. So back home, yes, people will always come here to play golf because of the sunshine and because of the breaks and the corporate events. But it's just to offer a family lots of options to stay here for a week. So we've had it. We've had a guy, he would come and cycle with us. His wife might get a tennis lesson. His kids might do the kids camp, the dancing camp. So within four or five hours in the one location, they've got a safe environment to have a healthy holiday. And that's really, there's a big shift towards that, I think. And all possibly separate. And then they come back and have their food. And then the next day they do other sports together. Well, yesterday we had Andrew on the bike ride yesterday. He had his three kids here. (coughs) So he was gone for the day and the kids came down and played tennis. Yeah, so it's exactly that. Yeah, keeps keeps them out of trouble. I think keep everyone out of trouble. Um, so the resort is owned by an Irish media mogul, Dennis O'Brien, and he's a golfer, and that that's why he because he's he owned this for about fifteen years from the last. Uh, well, he's I've had him out cycling with me. So Dennis does does a couple of cycles back home. He does one for the um, Peter McFerry Trust, which is a homeless foundation. And he does, he supports a charity back down in Cork. So he does the Ring of Bear as well. So he'd come out and cycle um, to train for those. Yeah, and he, I only found out this. Uh, he, like he used to run marathons in the 80s and 90s. So he's well aware of the health and fitness uh, industry. And um, yeah, I, I think it was golf. He does play a lot of golf. But we've had him, himself and his wife out on the bike and they love it down here. Because there has been an awful lot of investment put in, you can see that. There's been a lot of investment put in here. These are brand spanking new uh, facilities. And you're attracting like premiership football squads, national rugby teams, that kind of thing. So you, you, you're very high level very, very quickly. What about cycling teams? Oh, well, we've had the, the, the GB, we've had, we've had Jonathan Brownlee down here. We've triathlon. had the, the GB triathlon team. We've had, we just recently had Evo Pro Cycling. So new, the only Irish continental team left. Now it's a, it's a mix, the team is a mix of Italians and uh, Latvians and Moldovans and uh, Spanish and Irish and English. Um, and the Holdsworth team, so the Holdsworth Zappi, they'll have an under 23 team. They'll come down. Uh, but we, we haven't really targeted the high-end, high-performance cyclists because I think you need a lot more, a lot more um, support staff to help those guys. Whereas we're geared towards the leisure cyclists, the guys who ride sportifs, club riders, much more of a. Um, I think it's much more accessible for those guys. Yeah, and I think the professional cyclists, they need to be based in Central Europe to get to races. So we had Quick Step down here for for. Well, we didn't stay with us now, but Quick Step were here for two weeks. But I think in terms of. Uh, early, early season training camps, yes, uh, it's definitely uh, a destination that they will start to look at. 
but in terms of having the best professional cyclists, they're, they're, they're too far from the action, in my view, I think. Mm. But like, so yesterday we had, I know there's been massive investment in the structures and the facilities, but for me, I think the bike shed, we're very lucky that we have, I think, the best staff in the campus. You'll meet, I think you met Marcus. You'll meet Marcus Ornelish. So he's a 30-year professional triathlete from Brazil. He's four-time national champion. He's won the Abduez Ironman. We have Nuno, who's a local um, triathlete. He's been Portuguese champion. He's won the Ironman in Barcelona. Uh, so we've got, and then we have Javier Solo from Seville over here doing bike fitting. He was just working with Tony Martin. He works with Jumbo. Um, so I think in terms of investment, I think the, be the biggest one has been, the best one has been the staff, I think. And you'll see, it, you'll see it across the board as well, with the paddle and the tennis, the swim coach. They're the best that we can try and get I think, at the moment. So where have you come from? Where, where, why are you in Portugal? You already, you already know Portugal. You've, you've been coming here for many yes. years. So in 2010, I came here. I, I was a, para, a paracyclist, professional paracyclist. And I went to Mallorca, the usual thing, to Mallorca with the Irish cycling team. And it was just too much cycling for me. It was just cycling, 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 and cyclists everywhere. And every 15, 10, 15 minutes, you'd seen cyclists. And I, I like to switch off from cycling when I'm not cycling. I like um, the more qu quieter places where you can you go for an hour or two without seeing even a car. Uh, and then the talk, you know, you, you, I have other interests too. So I came, we came here on a training camp. Who's we? Uh, the Irish Par Paralympic team. Right, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes. And we went to Queenborough up north. And uh, I got speaking to a guy there who ra ran a camp here. So I came down on a two week camp. And I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the pace of life. I loved the, the training facilities. And it's much more, for me, it was cost effective as well. So then I, I went and I rented a house. So in, every January, so I'm from Ireland, I would pack the car with all my bike bar, all my, all my nutrition turbo, not that I ever needed it down here, and I would drive down and stay here for four months. So I'd do all my winter base here. And then I would just go drive through Europe and, and race the World Cups and the European Cups and then prepare for World Championships. Um, so I did that for six, six, seven years. And I was always looking out at places, you know, and I had it in my head that when I retired, I didn't, I didn't want to go back to work in Ireland or the UK. I, when I retired, actually, I did an MBA in sports management with Real Madrid. Real Madrid and Universidad Europa in Madrid. And loved it. And I thought, I did an internship in San Jose with San Jose State University. And I did an internship with Wembley Stadium. And I thought, I, I, I want to live where the sun is. The sun is shining. So I, I had been looking at places and I kept my eye on a small orange farm in the countryside. So there's a, there's a hiking trail from the Spanish border to the Portuguese coast, to the Atlantic coast. And it's 360 kilometers long. It's called the Via Algarviana. So it's growing, it's growing in popularity. It's similar to the Camino uh, and the, the walks in Italy. But it's growing and the Portuguese government are putting more money into the in, inside of the country. So I bought that place um, to open a cycling and hiking lodge retreat with organic fruit and vegetable. And, teach people the importance of wholesome food and how can it, can it can affect and impact your performance and your mood and everything, your, gentle, your general well-being. And that's a passion of mine that I will return to. And then just with the, with the, um, with the small print and with the 
trying to get planning applications and this is illegal and that's illegal. Um, this job came up. So I thought, okay, it's a great opportunity to learn, stay within the business, to learn from, from this, this company, Quinta de Lago, uh, all the experience they have working in the area. And uh, yes, it's a come in, I've loved it ever since. And it's been a, it's been a passion, you know. So, you know, sometimes you have a job and you just do it. But here I, I have the same feeling that it's, because I'm here from the start, it's like something you've created. So I don't mind staying late, I don't mind working weekends, because you think, oh, and especially when you have a couple of guys working with you, you have a responsibility too, so. And you still, you want to succeed, you know, when you come from a sporting background, when you start a project, you want to, to do it well. And you're sponsoring, because we're, we're um, Portuguese cycling kids, Yes. So you're sponsoring local cycling children? Yes, yeah. Because I think a mistake you, that I would never, and I would never like to see people coming to another country and like an expat, you know, kind of coming in and taking, taking the money, for example. I don't mean like, so within the Quintalago philosophy is to integrate into the community and um, that's what better way than with the youth cycling. So the local cycling team, one of the cyclists with us here is Nelson Ramos, who's a solicitor, and he's got his two kids that are starting a, a kid cycling team. So we said we'd love to support that. Uh, so, so tomorrow evening we'll be presenting the jerseys and having a quick a family cycle around the resort. Um, yeah, so it's important for me to, to learn, to work within this area to learn how they operate and respect it, I think. It's and you were saying important. before that you are learning Portuguese and, and you're, you're some of the way there. I'm some of the way there, yes. I, I was getting lessons when I came first, but now with work, I don't have much time. But the best, the best um, me teaching method, apart from my girlfriend is Portuguese, so she gives me a lot of grief. But I uh, use an audio book, uh, the Pimsler, and it's, this isn't a plug or anything, so I'm not sponsored. But Pimsler's audiobook. So you listen to half an hour each day. So usually on the way to work, I'd stick it on. You just listen, repeat. And the guys, um, most of the guys here are Portuguese, but of course we speak English in the resort. But I try and speak Portuguese with them. But it's a nice challenge. It's, uh, I'm 37 now, and it's nice to have something to keep the brain active, for sure. Uh, tell me about November 2001. Or tell me before. What, what were you doing before that? You were a sports person, was it rugby? Where no, you were? well, it's, some would say it's like rugby, it's, it's Gaelic football. Sorry, that, yeah. that's, that's probably, I've, I've uh, really insulted you there. No, I, I, honest to God, it's, it's, um, it's Gaelic football, and for anybody outside of Ireland or the Irish community, it's, it's very difficult to even explain it. It's like a cross between rugby, basketball, soccer, <laughs> I've seen it, UFC. it's crazy. Yeah, so on the area I grew up in, I grew up in a small village in the, in the Midlands in Ireland. And it's, it, it's the GAA is, is the governing body, the Gaelic Athletic Association. And that's really, it binds the whole country together. Every community has a team, you play for that team. And then if you're good enough, you get to represent the local county. So I was playing, I was playing club and county football. Um, and I was working on, uh, as an electrician, but working with the power lines. It's like a linesman. Um, and then did a bit of farming as well. We come from a farming background, so a bit of dairy farming and stuff. So very active. And of course, 2001, the 4th of November, I crashed a motorcycle into a tree, and I ended up breaking four bones in my back and my breastbone. 
my my um, ribs, my teeth, my compound fractures in my face, puncture my lung. I tore tore one of my aortas. You were pretty bad. I, I was very lucky to survive, to be honest. And I was I, where I crashed in a ditch. My bike went down the road, and it just kind of sat in in the ditch. So it looked like it was parked. So for two hours, there was cars passing by. I was the it was cold, and one guy who taught first aid for farm, farmers. He worked for the Farm Relief Services. And he was passing by, like, this is how random life can be. He was passing by this road because it was his father's month's mass. So it was a month after his father passed, so he never goes this road. But he was going home that way and he saw the bike. He said, I'll just get out and walk the ditch to make sure there's nobody in there. Even though the bike was just parked? The bike so was parked, he, he knew what, it didn't look right. Because you know, he taught first aid to farmers around the country. And he just thought there wasn't something right. Jim Dockery is his name. And he walked in family. And for sure, if he wasn't... Two hours after your crash. Yeah. If, if he wasn't there, I definitely wouldn't have been... I wouldn't have survived. And then I went to, to um, the local hospital, Tullamore, for a couple of hours. And they transferred me to the, the um, Matter Hospital, where it's a spinal, spinal injuries unit, where I stayed in intensive care for the next two months. And I spent seven, seven months in hospital, rehabbing and coming to terms with everything. And then when you do come to terms and you get, you get back into some sort of normality, you just, to be honest, you, you learn the way you socialise, the way you integrate into the community was the same way. So through sports, whatever I did. So that's how exactly I got back into sport. So what kind of sports were you doing? So at the start, you know, part of hospital rehab is uh, introduced you to new sports, so I played, I played table tennis, did some archery and general fitness down in the gym, but I was always a team, team sport at the time, so I got into wheelchair basketball and I started a club in Athlone, I used to travel three times a week to Dublin to play and then we used to play in a, in a league in the UK uh, and I played, I played with Ireland for a couple of years and then I, I went back to study uh, I went to do a degree in UCD in sports management and part of an internship I did I went to, uh, to Melbourne to work with the Australian Paralympic Committee for three months and I just saw the setup and it was 2000, it was in the lead up to Beijing and I loved it. So I... Um, Which what year was? So I was, the, I was there in the summer of 2008. 2008. Yeah, right. Yeah, and in 2008 the Australian Paralympic team that sent a recon team to London Right. Prepare. So even before Beijing, they were preparing for London, you know, getting the right locations. So I, I love the detail and the, the um, planning and everything. And I've been introduced to a hand cycle through a guy called Dennis Toomey, who was the paracycling manager. He came to like an open day. Of Australia? No, in Ireland, back in Ireland. No, back in Ireland, right, okay. So I had bought a hand cycle in 2007 to cross-train for, for basketball. So I do it two or three times a week, but I loved it. And uh, I decided to give it a go. And at the time, there was only two of us really hand cycling in Ireland. So they brought both of us to World Championships. Oof, such an eye opener. It was like an average club rider going to. Um, it was like an average club rider going to the World Championships. So it was a great. It was a great learning curve. We, you know, we we saw. You got your ass kicked. Yes. Basically. Oh, destroyed. <laughs> I remember on the start line, I, I was. I had I had a gear ratio was eleven thirty six. And they pumped the hire, tire too hard, and the mechanic said, "Don't pump that tire that hard." And I said, "Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to get my ass." 
hand it to me here so I need to get the tyres as hard as so I can go as fast as possible. So the tyre blew on the start line before we started and the only change we had was an 11.25. So I, I, my arms nearly fell off going on that race, race track. Um, but I, I really loved the buzz. I loved the buzz of the race. And then I decided, okay, let's, the, the support me at the time, even though I had no results, supported us myself and another guy called Carl Doherty. So I got coaching straight away. And then, you know, I had the trainability from years of sport. Um, and I'd always rode a, I used to ride a bike to training. You know, where I lived in the village, we used to ride, used to, ride to the farm to milk the cows. I used to ride to, to, to the local, three miles to the local football team. We used to ride to the, to the river to go swimming during the summer, to go fishing. So I always had a bike and, but I'd never had done a performance training on a bike like, like that. I'd done it all in, on the field sports. So I loved, loved getting back into it and pushing myself to the limit. And then just na naturally, if you do well, you know, you get, you get um, a grant, and then you get the ability to go from full-time work to part-time work. And eventually I went full-time athlete. And that's when I started coming down here. So it, it's, um, yeah, so being right here with you, you know, there's, it's amazing when you, when you talk through it, the amount of things that had to fall into place. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been great. And then you found you were good at this because you were getting, in fact, your job to do this. Yes. And then you were in the like performance squad to go then to London, the Paralympics in 2012. Yeah, well, it's like most other sports, you have to qualify. Mm. So there was a, a process, 2000, the end of 2010 through to 12, early 12, you had to qualify. And with, with cycling, you don't qualify individually. You qualify a bike. So part of the Paralympic squad, I think we sent seven bikes. But a 200, say for example, if I won a, Europe, a UCI World Cup race, I would get 30 points for a gold medal. If I won at a World Championship, you get 60 points. And then all the European races were 15 points, basically. Uh, and you had to get 200 points during that qualification period, would qualify a bike. So even though I might have qualified a bike, I still wasn't selected until the team management came and sat down and picked the team. So you were, um, not that it was stressful, you know, because you were confident enough that you would get picked. But there was a couple of guys that were borderline. You know, will they pick him, will they pick this guy? This guy's got better results, but this guy's got more potential. A difficult job, very difficult job. But even though it was an individual sport, Carlton, it was very much a team environment. Uh, and there wasn't, you know, as an athlete, but there's sports scientist, physiologist, nutritionist, coach, uh, strength and conditioning coach, physiotherapist, uh, team manager, Paralympic manager, liaison officers. There was just so much. It was, it was a really good experience because it was like a home games because everybody from Ireland could go and watch the games if, mm. if they wanted. Mm. And uh, yeah, it went well for me. I really enjoyed it. Preparation was amazing. Everything went well. And so what was the event that you were doing? Uh, I did a time trial, which was 10, 10 mile, 16K time trial around Brands Hatch. So we did, the, we did the opposite way to the traditional racetrack, and then we went four kilometers out into the Kent countryside. Uh, so it was quite a, quite a challenging event, because racetracks, to cycle on a racetrack is, you realize, you never realize it on TV, but there's quite a, a different profile on them. You know, it varies a lot, climbs and flats. And then the road race was 60K, 60, 
53k or something. And yeah, I, I, the, the time trial was on a Friday morning, or Thursday morning, 5th September, and I managed to win that by 11 seconds. I was 32.16 or something. The guy behind me was 32.27. So over, over that time, I was a very small. But thankfully, all the sacrifices you make, and the preparation you do, in the lead up, I think we were very, we, we were, I was always pushing to, um, to get every second I could, because I knew it would be tight. I was, I was glad I did, because I probably, if I didn't, I would have got a silver or bronze. Because these bikes are they're pretty tech, aren't they? They're, they're like, they they've, are got, tech. they've got the same kind of tech on as your... Some of them do, yes. And it's the same, it's the exact same rules. You should be able to buy that bike on, off the shelf. That's the UCI rules that you can't just open a prototype. Mm -hmm. But people did, like Zanardi, Zanardi had a prototype. He was sponsored by BMW. Because he raced, still raced for BMW, Alex Zanardi. He was very famous in American IndyCar, in the IndyCar circuit. I think he was IndyCar champion, but unfortunately lost both his legs in a crash in Germany. But he was in a different class than me, so he was a kneeling bike. Mm. But he had a BMW, they made his bike. But I think you could, bu you could buy it for 40,000. <laughs> yeah, they're commercially available uh, as long as you've got if, if, a yeah. So technically it was, it was, you could buy it, but, um, but that just goes to show you, a Toyota were, were doing another bike for a South African guy, uh, the UK guys had, had the, the British guys had the access to all of the wheel technology that the track team used. And you always look forward to seeing what the guys, the, the British cycling will show up with because, you know, they're, they're, they really are advanced, you know, the, the, the search for every inch and every second. So what were you riding? I was riding a top end made by Invacare, an American company over in Clearwater in Florida. So I used to love going over once a year to get measured for the bike, even though I don't think my measurements changed over the years, but I used to love going over to Clearwater and to do some cycling. And so what's the tech on there that's the same, or what's the tech on there that's ah, it's, different? It's, it's basically a mountain bike cassette, an upside down road derailleur, and then I use a road shifter. Uh, and then you've got, you've got carbon fiber and aluminium still. We use the aircraft aluminium uh, because it's such a long bike. Uh, it's, it's, but carbon, carbon frames are becoming more popular now. Yeah, why don't you use carbon? I could, I could do more custom, custom job with aluminium because the cost of creating a mold for carbon fiber bikes. Right, right. They would do maybe three or four generic ones. But this bike, so the bike at the moment was designed for, it's a different bike than London. The one I, I'm riding at the moment, I retired in 2014. It was a short, shorter wheelbase, small wheels in the back. It was a very technical course, which made a small bit stiffer. Not, not as good on, on a straight time trial but much better on a technical course. So even more, I would go to, f to Florida knowing what the World Championship course was with that in mind. That was my sole goal each year because you had to qualify for, for funding to be an athlete. Now these bikes, because they're low to the ground, uh, you're out of the wind, I'm assuming they are incredibly fast. I wouldn't say you're out of the wind, the wind is... You, you, you don't get as much. You don't get as much. Yeah, your, your your total frontage wouldn't be as much. Uh, so downhill, it's a, it's an absolute rocket. Yes, <laughs> and on the flat, you can keep up with most. You know, you keep up with a good club rider, but uphill, it's a different story. Uphill, mm. you know, because the the bike is maybe 10, 10 11 kg, and then you're so it's about twice the weight of a. Yes. Yeah, and like so, so with my class, you'd average maybe one hundred and sixty watts. 
And then the guys in the next class up, the, well, my class, they'd be averaging 200, 220 watts for a time trial. So it's quite, it's quite, it's good, it's club rider average, I'd say. It's pretty good, pretty good. But some of them are, um, the kneelers then are good uphill. The downhill are not, not so good, yeah. Mm. So it's a quite an interesting piece of kit, but it's, it didn't take a rocket science to rocket scientist to, to develop it, you know. It just takes some imagination and adapting because everybody's disability is really different, you know. So that's the good thing about the aluminium bike, you could get it custom half a centimetre or here, cut this back or And is Invicare a specialist in uh, mobi racing? mobility equipment. So it, it does other stuff Invicare, as well as yes, they do electric chairs, they do a lot of stuff, but their their performance side of things is called top end. So they would make basketball chairs, tennis chairs. They would use, um, they do racing wheelchairs for the marathons and hand bikes. And does the technology from those top end bikes trickle down oh, to yeah, other products? They, they would all, hmm, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, it trickles down to wheelchairs, to lightweight wheelchairs. Ah, possibly. I don't know that, Carlton. Yeah, maybe, maybe they do. And what challenges do you face here being in a wheelchair? Um, I don't know. Here, here is perfect. Kintalago is very accessible. You know, they've got, they've got um, everything is level, and they've got access to everything, and there's, there's no problem issues with in terms of accessibility here. You see with the car spaces, but in Portugal in general, it's not. You know, because it's such an old country, you've got paths and you've got calçadas, which is like the square cobbles. They can be challenging. And then Lisbon. So I, often, I go to Lisbon every second weekend up to see Philippa, and that's it's a whole different ball game because it's called the city of seven hills. And even parking there is a, is a disaster. But I love I love the city. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind to be honest. You could look at it and say, oh my, because you know I lived in America for a while. I trained over in San Jose and uh, San Francisco, and it's very accessible. Everything is accessible. And then the UK and Ireland, it's, since the building boom the last 20 years, it's become more accessible. But you just get on with it. Uh, you know, and that's, so one of the most important things for anybody with a spinal injury or mobility issue is to stay fit and healthy because it increases your independence. So if I put weight on, I won't be able to push up the hills, I won't be able to transfer in and out of a car. Um, yeah, it really would affect your, your independence. So that's... For me, it's essential to, to stay fit and strong. And then you can get around. You know, it means your wheelchair is a bit narrower than the, than the average wheelchair. So you can get into the small toilet cubicles. <laughs> it opens up uh, lots of possibilities for you. Performance benefits here of being a sports person. Uh, well, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it improves your lifestyle. Being a fit, active person improves your, improves your life, yeah. Uh, but, but I think multiply that by 50 for somebody with disability. It's much, much more important, it's vital. And that's why even, so I've got, um, those bikes are quite expensive, Carl. That bike is about 10 grand, the race bike I have. And I have an attachment for the front of the wheelchair that I do commuting on. And that's about three grand. And it's a pity because it makes cycling inaccessible for a lot of people with mobility issues. And of course, there probably are ways around it to get granting from insurance companies or something. Because the benefits are unbelievable, you know. You stay fit and healthy, you don't end up in hospital, you don't end up with, with skin problems, you don't end up with osteoporosis, 
your just mental well-being is better so yeah the benefits of cycling for me are, have been that's changed my life for sure improved it so much so I, th I think um, I think that, that, that you can s you can say that, that statement can apply across the to all the population really more cycling uh, yeah act active active lifestyle that's why I love it down here in Portugal so I can't get out all the time like I can plan this bike week starting on Thursday finishing on Sunday I know a week before I know it's going to be sunny it's going to be sun the sun is going to be shining it's going to be 20 degrees uh, and it just makes life comfortable for everybody so tell us about that that's why I'm here the, the bike festival so it's following the the pro race the in effect the the welter of, of the Vuelta, okay, yes yeah and then uh, so you, you you have met them on yesterday's yesterday, stage yes. so you, you went for a climb with and how many people have you got here joining you well on we the have festival? 12 yeah it's we had a couple pull out this week unfortunately but um so for the first bike festival it's the first one here and i'm trying to come up with events all the time to promote it and to attract people here and it seemed like a good way to do it was to show them how the pros race and uh give them an experience of pro cycling and then what we have to offer here at the campus as well you know, so yesterday we got to, to ride a 100k route on some of the race. We got to climb the mountain beforehand, grab a bit of food, and then watch the pros finish. And then we had VIP access to where they're warming down and get to meet some of the DSs and, you know, mingle with the cyclists and see their bikes up close. And the guys, you know, club cyclists and amateur cyclists love seeing the, the tech because it's pretty impressive. And then the cyclists, you know, you look at a cyclist nowadays. They're like, they're like aliens, you know, they're skinny long mm. arms and mm. and they're so young uh, it's it's the guy that won yesterday is 20 years of age like up that hill and um but one you know th one thing that, that the couple of guys made comments on they're like the thought it was glamorous you know, th they realized yesterday cycling is at, at pros level it's a tough unglamorous sport but they cycle up that mountain they put on a jacket and they cycle back down to the buses halfway down the mountain and they'll do another 180 today and then our time trial today so we did another time we did a time trial here to replicate that uh which carlson you won <laughs> we fixed it so you won by 14 seconds yeah i was wind streaming behind trucks no, uh, no. but uh, did, did you enjoy that time trial because I, I don't i didn't want to make it a competitive thing and people are reluctant to do it but it's nice to be able to push the body i think mm -hmm. to see what you know it gives you the, another another dimension well it, it, like anything like that it's it's half of it's mental because you, you as in in your head because you want to stop you don't want to be pushing yourself this hard just enjoy the ride and it's like no you are trying to go fast yeah. so you've got to tell your mind and like the the, the Jens Voigt thing you know shut up legs it's yeah. the same kind of shut up your body I want to do this so that that just adding that element to it isn't that may it was good because it was not to let's just go out for another ride and we'll it was it added something different Small to different it. yeah 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 so that was good and then tomorrow we're going to somewhere scenic scenic but still nice nice we're going to ride to Branco de Vela which is on the N2 which is like Portugal's route 66 an old former it's road old natural that used to be there. yes but it's still very nicely paved it goes through the eucalyptus trees and the forests and it goes through some of the old ancient towns and so the motorway has bypassed it so yes. all the motorists are on the motorway yeah. and this has been left this has been left it's beautiful yes in may there's a race actually from north to south 
you'll get lots of cycling groups coming that will do it. And I think it's going to become a lot more popular. Uh, but the good thing about Portugal is it's not that popular at the moment. It's just an, the right amount, I think. Um, and then Sunday we're going to do the Grand Fonda, which is a sportif. So around Lole, it starts in Lole. Uh, and again, it'll be, I think, maybe 2,000, 2,500 people doing it. Quite a nice, fun, relaxed. So that's very relaxed. Nice, fun thing to do. So it's, it'll, hopefully by the time you, you're finished here, Carl, you'll have an appreciation of how nice the cycling is here. And the people who you've got coming to this festival are people, I don't know if you can generalise here, but who are expats coming to join just a group or that the people have come from the UK to do this? Who, can yeah, you generalise on who, who's, who's on the group? Uh, so we've, 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 we've got Charles and Katie from Scotland. We have Nicholas from Germany. We have um, Andrew is from London. Jonathan was from Bournemouth. And most of them have houses here. So they'll have, they'll have touched base here at some stage. And I'll tell them all, oh, there's, there's a festival coming up. Uh, oh, we have Irish, Brazilian, Portuguese, South African. Uh, Johan was South African, is South African. <laughs> um, so it's a nice, and that's what you get here in the Algarve. You get some Dutch, some Germans, English, Irish. Yeah, it's a nice mix. So most of them will be aware of the, of, of the, of the um, bike shed or the Algarve for cycling. One guy, I put the events on Strava, and he saw it on Strava, and he said, oh, I'd like to do that. Come down and check it out. And um, I, think, I think that's how we'll start things here. And then they'll go home and they'll tell their friends. And then this evening, we had um, Alan, Alan is from Yorkshire. He had a couple of his friends down. One of them was renting a bike. He had a problem with his bike when he flew, like lots of people do. He just had a Mavic wheels and they damaged the disc or something. Uh, and at the moment, we've got a, s a group from Ireland with Segala cycling. We've got 30 cyclists staying in the hotel. So the Magnolia is, a, is part of the, the, the group. Um, and they're staying in cottages. So it's a really nice team environment where they've got seven cottages rented. And then we've got a gu guides with them. So there's a lot of cyclists around at the moment because um, it's probably the biggest week for cycling in the Algarve. And then looking to expand that for next year, that kind of thing. Ah, oh, yeah, we will. That's, that's, that would be the hope to maybe get up to 20, 25 people. And you can see it in all the cycling festivals in Girona and Manchester. And they become, um, you start small and you become, you become bigger. But for me, I, I like the personal touch. It's nice to get to be, know people, meet people, know them by their first name and um, yeah, share the experience with them. Whereas if it gets too big, then it always becomes about the bottom line and the number of people you can get and the sales you can get. And that doesn't interest me whatsoever. Not, not one bit. Uh, so I hope it doesn't become that, that stage. Just a small, small nice group. Well, that sounds like they're locking up for the night here. We're gonna get chucked out in a minute. Um, uh, so it does sound as though it's gonna be a fantastic uh, a few days of, of guaranteed sunshine, some nice hills, and some good company. Yes, and, and some, one of the reasons I, I came to the Algarve is the food. The food, I lived in Spain, and Madrid is supposed to be one of the best places for food. I, I would have to say the Algarve is better, much better. And, and it varies slightly, so the Algarve will be slightly different than the Alentasia, but the fish here is amazing. Fish, the meat from the Alentasia is pretty good, and 
it's all growing locally so the, the quality of the food is really good here and then you know with, with 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 the bike shed i hope to be able to do um we're doing some trips from lisbon down along the west coast and we do some along the east coast up along the spanish border and into the alentasia and next year we hope to go to the azores the portuguese island in the atlantic that's becoming a nice destination now so it's perfect for a four-day cycle cycling trip and then up into the douro region which is the wine region of portugal um the tennis coach Zay, his father and his grandfather own this i think it's the second oldest vineyard in portugal so he's going to hook us up and we're going to we're going to be we're going to be stationed up there um next october so just exploring, exploring Portugal. And it's not, not that we want to become a massive destination. I think we want to become an option. So a lot of club riders will say, oh, I was in Mallorca three times last year. Or I was in Lanzarote twice or Tenerife twice. So why not just say, oh, I was in Mallorca once and Portugal once. And a bit of variety, I think is great. Spice it up. Thanks to Mark Rowan there. Details on the bike shed and the campus can be found on the resort website at www.quinta.com and all that was all one word. I'll link to that on the show notes, which, as always, can be found at www.the-spokesmen.com. Thanks for listening to today's show and for telling your friends about the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. I'll be heading back to the UK tomorrow, fitter and faster than when I arrived. Wherever you are, get out there and ride.